This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church in Lubbock, Texas. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com. We've got your Bible. Let's go to Mark chapter 4. And God is going to give you the Word of God today that's going to change you. The Word will cause faith to rise up in you. It'll transform your mind. Now, we've been doing the series God Is, and you've seen it. And we've got to understand the, the nature of God. How does God act? What's God's character like? What is God like and dislike? And how can we find that out? Well, a lot of times when you look at the Word of God, the Word of God will let you know how God is, who God is. But also, Jesus said this himself. that He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So when you look at what Jesus is doing, you can say, man, Jesus is just a, a mirror image of his Father. Now today we're going to look at it a little different. We're going to look at it in these upcoming weeks. We're going to look through the eyes of the disciples. Now for three years plus, these guys ran with Jesus. So they got a first-hand look at Jesus. They got to see his nature and his character and his integrity. So Let's begin here today in Mark chapter 4, verse 35. Now, on the same day when evening had come, Jesus said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they left, now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in a boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. So get the picture. And I'm telling you, these waves are so big, they're jumping on the inside of the boat. It's not a little storm. Actually, the Amplified says it was uh, to the proportion of a hurricane. So this is a big storm. This is a crazy storm. This is what the, the disciples were facing right now. So let me ask you this real quick. Are you, are you facing some storms in your life right now? Maybe you're facing some things that seem like, man, it's a hurricane, Pastor. I feel like my, my life is overflowing with too much. Well, if that's you, you're in the right place today. We're going to give you some insight. Verse number 38. But Jesus was in the stern, asleep on the pillow. Now, when I look at that, and, and in my own life, when I read the Bible, I always try to put myself right there in the midst of that story. Here this storm of hurricane proportion is, is, man, it's moving. The waves are so big that the boat's filling up with water. And what is Jesus doing? He's in the stern, asleep on the pillar. You know what this is? This is the perfect picture of peace. Right here. And Jesus is the author of peace. He's the very essence of peace. And so right there, man, even though the storms of life were there, when you hang out with Jesus, you're going to hang out with peace. Even in your life. So keep reading with me. So they awoke him and they said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. I got, I got tickled when I was reading some of the definitions of peace. One of them in the Greek, it specifically says hush. Hush. And I've, I've gotten tickled at times this week 
said, when it seemed like storms were brewing in my life, you know what I'd say? Hush. In the name of hush. The devil would whisper, and I'd say, hush. Keep reading. Some of you will get that. That's a deep hush. Verse 40. But Jesus said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Now, the last five weeks we've been talking about God is, and I believe almost every one of the passages we looked at, Jesus always somehow got over onto faith. You know, in the New Testament, that, that faith is the key. Hebrews eleven six says, without faith it's impossible to please him. A few weeks ago, we studied with the woman with the issue of blood in Mark 5. And remember, Jesus specifically said, Daughter, thy faith has made thee well. Last week, we talked about the boy who was tormented. And Jesus specifically said to his disciples, You faithless generation. And ultimately, he said to the boy's father, It's not if I can do anything. He said, It's if you can believe. So right here again, he begins to list faith. And in this passage, he gives us a a contrast between fear and between faith right here. Now, does the, the thing you're fearing right now in your life, does it keep you from restricting you to step out in faith? In other words, do the things in your life that are causing fear in you, do they keep you from, from stepping out in faith? If you're going to live victoriously, like the New Testament talks about, every one of us in here is going to have to live by faith. How does that faith come from? Man, I start seeing the character of Jesus. Think about this, guys. With the woman of issue of blood, it took faith for her to step out and say, if I touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made well. That took faith. Think about this. When Peter was on the boat and Jesus said to him, come on, Pete, get out of the boat and walk on the water. That took great faith. But in each one of those cases that I just named, the woman with the issue of blood, guess who she was walking toward? Jesus. Guess who Peter was walking toward when he walked on the water? Jesus. That's the same with us. We've got to get out of the boat. I like to say it this way. I'd rather be a wet water walker than a dry boat setter. I'd rather get out and try to walk on the water than spend the rest of my life sitting in the boat. You know who's sitting in the boat? All the critics. All the ones that don't want to walk by faith. And you know, I believe this even with Peter when he walked on the water. I believe the other disciples are saying, Pete, you can't do that. People don't walk on the water. It's deep. It's cold. And you don't have a life jacket on. But Peter went ahead and did it. And so when I look here at what Jesus is talking about, it's going to be the essence for every one of us. Faith. Faith. To get a hold of this. Verse number 41. And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obeyed him? Now this is looking through the eyes of the disciples, okay? Turn over with me to John 16. Now if you got something to mark that, mark that. I'm going to come back to this passage here a little bit later. John chapter 16 is where we're headed. Now, many of us tonight will watch the weather. And why do we watch the weather? So we can get an idea what the forecast is going to be for the upcoming week. Can I give every one of us in this room the forecast for your life? It's storms. 
There's going to be storms in your life and my life. Little storms, big storms, and even hurricane proportion storms. Now, a meteorologist, guys, he looks at a Doppler radar. You know what he looks at a Doppler radar for? Where he can pinpoint where the storms are. You know what I can tell you today? We don't need a Doppler radar. You don't need the spiritual weather channel. You don't even need to watch Ron run for cover Ron Roberts tonight, okay? You know why? I'm telling you the forecast for your life. It's called storms. And some of you said, I don't receive that. Well, we better look what Jesus got to say, okay? John 16, verse 33. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. Now, right there, guys, is a goldmine of information. Jesus right there tells us where peace is. The only place there's peace is in Jesus. You want peace in your life? Get a hold of Jesus. Start hanging out with Jesus. And the peace I'm talking about is even like the disciples. Man, there was a storm all around them. But when you hang out with Jesus and you let Jesus in your life, there can be peace. Now, Jesus tells us, you want peace? It's in him. Keep reading. In the world, how many of you are still in the world? Every one of us. In the world, you will have tribulation. You will have tribulation. Pressure, stress, anxiety, anguish. Affliction, you want me to keep going or is that enough? That's enough. This was Jesus' words, okay? So you know what he's telling me and you? As long as you're on this earth, there's going to be storms that are going to arise. But look what he ends the verse with. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So he's telling us right here, even though you're in this world and living here, there's going to be some tribulations. There's going to be some things that are happening in your life. And some of you are saying, I'm experiencing those right now. Jesus said, in me there's peace, and be a good cheer, I've overcome them. Now, a lot of times, you know what happens when we get into the storms of life? We pray to God, God, get me out of this. He's not going to get you out of it. Okay? What do you mean by that? Well, when you look at the 23rd Psalm, it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. There's nothing in that verse that says, I'm going to bypass it. I walk through the valley. There's nothing that says God's going to create an overpass for you. We're going to walk through things. But the thing is, when I'm going through the storms of life, I can still have peace. He promised that right here. Now, go back to your left there to Matthew 7. I want to show you some more things here this morning to help us in this area. So if he tells us this, guys, that we're going to have tribulation in there, you know what? I might as well get a hold of what he says in the Word. What do I begin to do? Do you know James said this? Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. I hate that verse. I've looked at that verse for years of my life, and I'd say that verse is annoyingly accurate. 
But when I look at what Jesus is just here in these verses, there in James, and then what we read in John, in me is their peace. Count it all joy when you fall into these. Peace and joy only come from Jesus. You will not walk in peace and joy without Jesus, okay? You may look at the things of this earth. You may have certain things that will put a band-aid, temporary things. But the only real peace and joy comes from Jesus. Now look in this passage here and we can really learn something. This is Matthew 7. Begin with me in verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears these saying of mine and does them, I will like to him a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on the house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who's built his house on the sand. The rains descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Now, when you look at that passage there, if you'll note, there's only two types of people in this passage. The wise and the foolish. Me and you are one in one of those two categories, okay? We're either wise or we're foolish. Now, a lot of times as believers, we have this thought right here. That if I hear the word and I don't do the word, then the storms are going to come. But if I hear the word and I do the word, then the storms won't come. That's not what he said. I want us to look really, really close at the similarities between verse 25 and verse 27. Verse 25. And the rains descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house. Verse 27. And the rains descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. Both of them. Both houses, okay? Now here's the deal. A lot of people would hear me saying that, and they'd say, well... If I do the word and the st- storms come, and I don't do the word and the storms come, then why should I do the word? Good question, huh? But Rick, real close at the end of verse 25 and verse 27, he says, The one that beat on the house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. The other one says that when the winds came, and the floods came, and all that, and beat on that house, And it failed. And it failed. So here's the deal. When I do the Word of God, I live by the Word of God, I practice the Word of God, my life is centered around the Word of God. And when the floods come, and they're going to come if you read it, it said the man was able to stand. However, the one who heard the Word but didn't do the Word, when the storms came, he fell And look at the end of verse 27, what it says, And great was its fall. And great was its fall. So right here, Jesus gives us a little bit of insight on some stuff about the fall. What's going to happen? So really, when I look at this, I've got to learn to build my house, to build my life around the Word of God. Does it make me storm-proof? No. It does make me fall-proof, though. That when life starts hitting you and pounding you, you keep standing on the Word of God. Now here's the key with the Word of God, guys. The Word of God is not just a Sunday morning thing. 
The Word of God becomes an everyday part of my life. Do you know in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, He said, give me this day my daily bread. We need stuff on a daily basis. I need the Word of God on a daily basis. Some of you really need to hear this, okay? You've got to stick with the Word of God. You've got to speak the Word of God when the storms are coming and when the storms aren't coming. Begin to believe God that you're going to be able to stand. Now, when we talk about the storms here, guys, it's not the probability of a storm. It's the certainty of a storm. They're going to happen. The storms are going to come into your life even when Jesus is in the boat. Just ask the disciples. That's what happened to them right there. And so a lot of times when you look at the storms of life, what they do is they have the potential to reveal you and me's weaknesses in our lives. It's just like this building. When it really rains hard here, you know what it finds out? we got some weaknesses in our roof, our shingles. It leaks. And many times as believers, we go along in life and we get very familiar with the Word of God. We get very comfortable with the Word of God. In other words, it seemed like life is just smooth sailing. And then all of a sudden, the storms show up, and we panic. I believe this, guys. You've got to get in the Word on a daily basis. Feed your faith and starve your doubts. Keep your faith up, because when the storms come, it's not going to knock you. What happens a lot of times, the reason it knocks is we have no faith. And when the storms come, and that wave just plows right over us, and great was its fall. Now go back with me to the book of Mark chapter 4 where we started. Mark chapter 4. Develop, develop the, the, the Word in you. Let the Word take root in you. Now here we are back in Mark 4, verse 35. We're going to begin again and I'm going to fill in the blanks here and you're going to see some things that will help you. On the same day when evening had come, Jesus said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boats as he was, and the little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. Now, once again, we see this is a bad windstorm. Hurricane proportions. Most of the disciples were fishermen. That was their job. They lived on the water. So this wasn't the first time that they had ever been in a storm. But I believe a lot of times when the storms come, they got so familiar with it that they used their abilities, their talents, their knowledge to get them out of it. How many have ever done that? I've done that. In certain things in life, man, I thought, well, if I just do this and I do that and do that, I'll get out of it. And sometimes you may be able to use your ability and get out of it. But when the big storms come... Even the little storms at times, you better know who you are in Christ Jesus. And so this is where they got, you can't always trust in your talents, guys. You can't always trust in your abilities. This is why you got to get a hold of Jesus and say, all right, Lord, help me. Verse number 38, but he was in the stern asleep on the pillow, and they awoke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Now note, guys, when they woke Jesus up, 
They didn't say, Jesus, you better get your life jacket. It's bad. They didn't say, Jesus, you better get a bucket and start dipping with us. It's bad. You better get an oar. No, they didn't say that. They said, Jesus, do you not care? Maybe one of the greatest insults or indictments that we could ever say against Jesus or God. Do you not care? Now think about this. Here's Jesus. He's been with them all these years. He's up there asleep. And they wake him up and say, Jesus, do you not care that we're about to die? I can't do that to Jesus. 1 Peter 5, 7 says this. Cast all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Cast all your care. Now, I'm going to highlight the word all there, okay? Little cares, big cares. Hurricane proportion cares. Jesus said, cast all your care upon me, for I care for you. So he tells us right there that he didn't create us for me and you to take on all our cares. How many of you figured out, he'll wear you out trying to be God? I've tried to be God. And it just wears me out. What an invitation here when he says, cast all your care. So they make these accusations against Jesus. And what I want you to note here, guys, he doesn't say one word to them when they say that. Now, I I personally can't wait till we get to heaven to watch the reruns of this stuff. Because when I read into these, I always want to see Jesus' face. I want to see his body language. I want to see his expressions, how he looked at him. When they said to him, do you not care? I wonder what he did. If he gazed at him, shook his head at him, like you guys are a bunch of geniuses. I really wonder that. But look what Jesus does. Then he arose and he rebuked the wind and he said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased And there was a great calm. Now, I wonder when he did that if he didn't cross his arms and look at him. I care. But here's the thing that I see in that verse right there. When he said, peace be still, and it calmed, this this is my, my personal view of this. I don't believe the storm vanquished and just quit. I believe that right there where they were, in the presence of Jesus, in this, in this so many feet area, I don't know, maybe been a half a mile, there was peace. But I believe in the distance they could see the waves and they could hear the wind. And the reason I say that, because in our own lives, I can experience peace when everything around me is turmoil. You can go to work, and where you work, everything around you can be chaotic and turmoil, but you can still have peace. You can go to school, and there may be a classroom that everything is chaotic, but you can still have peace, because peace is on the inside. Now, I had a brother-in-law, I still have him. I said that in the first service, too. I still have him. But he was telling me, they live on the East Coast, and he was telling me about one of the major hurricanes that hit the East Coast. And he talked about two buddies of his that that they were evacuating. 
Mandatory evacuations. Get out, get out, get out. Well, these two said, we're not going nowhere. We're going to ride it out. They said this hurricane hits 15 to 30 minutes. They both literally thought, we're going to die. They could hear the roof being ripped off and everything. After 30 minutes, it gets really, really, really quiet and calm. They walk outside and they said, of course, debris everywhere, but the trees aren't blowing, there's no rain. Actually, they could look straight up and see the stars for about 15 minutes. And then you know what happened? They were in the eye of the hurricane. And they say in the eye is peace. But here it came again. I believe that's the same for us as believers. You can be in the eye of the storm and still experience peace with Jesus. As long as Jesus is in your boat. And I believe this is what the disciples got to see. As long as we look to Jesus, there's peace. No matter what, what's going on around us. So keep reading here with me. The wind ceased. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Guys, he didn't rebuke them for waking him up. But he did rebuke them for their lack of faith. Once again, he points out faith. Guys, you gotta have faith. I can hear him saying it. Guys, you gotta have faith. You gotta have faith. You gotta, you gotta begin to believe me and trust me. Even in the storms of life, trust me. Grace me today with peace. Now turn to Romans 10. Romans chapter 10. You know one of the greatest phrases that you'll find in the Bible repeated numerous times? Fear not. Fear not. What an invitation. Fear not. Even in the midst of storms, fear not. And, and I believe when, when the Lord says fear not, Jesus, I'm in the boat with you guys. How many times in our lives as humans, when we face a storm, when times get really tough, do we pick up the phone? And we call our friends. And we tell them how bad life is. How hard it is. And a lot of times that phone call is meant for you to feel sorry for me. To take pity for me. Oh man, they're going through a tough time. Well, once again, what's the forecast? Storms? Storm, they're gonna come, okay? But what would happen instead of picking up the phone and calling our friends, if we would pick up the phone and call Jesus? Look at this passage here in Romans 10. Start with me. In verse number 11. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him, on Jesus, Will, be not, will not be put to shame. Whoever believes. Now, whoever is me and you. You're a whoever. I'm a whoever. Verse 12. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich or richly blesses to all who call upon him. That's an invitation for me and you right there. It didn't say you had to be a Jew. It said a Jew, a Gentile, or a Greek. We can call upon him. That's his desire. He wants us to call upon him. Once again, 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast all your care upon me, for I care for you. And then look how he ends in in verse number 13. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
Now, it's appeared here in, in Romans 10 that this chapter is talking about salvation. How do I get born again? I call on the Lord. I speak with my mouth and I believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord and I'll be saved. I'm going to make a really, really bold statement here today. And you might not agree with it, but that's okay. Listen real close to me, guys. If you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, you'll never make it through the storms. And some of you say, I don't believe that. Well, if you believe the Word of God, you better get a hold of this. Because remember, Jesus said in John 16, 33, In me is peace. The only way I'm going to have peace in the storm is through Jesus. Now, if me and you were capable of pulling everything off in our own abilities and our own talents, don't you think we'd already done it? If I was capable of going through this life without Jesus, I'd already done it. If I didn't need a Savior, then why did God give me a Savior? Now, for 18, 19 years of my life, I tried to do everything in my own abilities. You know what happened? The storms of life started knocking me down. Great is the fall. Listen, if you want Jesus to move in your life, you've got to let him in your boat. How do I let him in my boat? I can't receive Jesus for you. And you can't receive Jesus for me. It's a personal invitation that I must step forward and say, Lord Jesus, I welcome you into my heart. This may be a big revelation to some of you, but there will not be any grandchildren in heaven. Only children. What do you mean by that? You're not going to get in by how great of a prayer warrior Grandma Vera was. I don't care how much your mama's praying for you. It must be your decision, okay? Whoever calls upon the Lord. And some of you are saying, well, that's great. I'm already saved. Well, you ones who are already saved, go back to Psalm 50:15, And I want you to see this. Psalm chapter 50, verse 15. Call upon me in the day of trouble. You want a personal invitation from the Lord? There it is. There it is. And you know what? There's times in my life I sense the Lord say this to me. Why don't you ever call on me? Or why do you wait until you're desperate to fall on me? How many of you have that problem? That was me for a long time. The only time I ever wanted to call on the Lord was when I was really desperate, when I was in over my head and I knew there's no way out except through Him. And then you know what I would do? I would, I would bargain with God. What's bargain with God? I'd get on my knee and I'd say, Lord, I promise to go to church for the next month straight if you'll get me out of this. And most of the time when I prayed that, I'd cross my fingers. God doesn't need us to bargain with him. He just wants to come. And you know what I saw with the disciples on, on the lake or wherever it was when the storm came up? Wake the master up. Wake him up. 
He wants us to call on Him. Call on me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you. Well, you had a chance to shout right there. Thank you, Father God. Two key words in that verse. Me and I. Both of them were referring to God. Call on God. And then look what happens, how it ends the verse. And glorify me. And glorify me. What does that mean? Well, any time I would study King David's life, guys, he would get in great predicaments that were storms, where he was on the verge of dying. King Saul wanted to kill him. The Philistines always wanted to kill him. But one thing I noticed about King David, he would always inquire of God. You know what that means? He would get in the presence of God and he'd say, God, what do you want me to do? You want me to attack him? You want me to go after him? So you know what he was saying? I know, God, you know better. You know what's best for my life. You know, even even one battle, he, he inquired of God and God said, go get him. And they went and got him. And then just a matter of days, he gets in another battle. And most of us as humans, you know what we do? We just go after him again. Not David. He stopped. He took time to get into the presence of the Lord. And he said, Father, you don't want me to go after him again? And that's when God said, no, just go down and hang out by that, that tree orchard, that grove down there. And you'll hear the marching of, in trees. And they'll get terrified and they'll run. How many of you have ever heard marching in trees? People don't march in trees. I mean, I'm willing to bet after service, I'm not going to find any of you out marching in the trees. You know who he's talking about marching in the trees? That was the angels. That was the angels. But you know what? David took time to inquire of God. And then every time in the battle, he would look to God. He would say, okay, Father, I think that's important for us. That when we get in battles a lot, we start calling on God. Quit, quit trying to figure everything out. And say, okay, Father God, I'm coming into your presence. You know what that means? You can't watch every football game on TV. That means you've got to take time to get into the presence of God. How do we do that? Just like what happened this morning in praise and worship. And that was one of David's key ingredients too, guys. David was always worshiping God. David would praise God. He would sing psalms. That's how we glorify God. You can glorify God in the midst of the storm. How do I do that, Pastor? Sometimes it takes great faith. You step out and you say, Father God, it seems like everything in the natural, all hell is breaking loose. This has gone wrong, that's gone gone. But you know what? As for me and my house, we're going to praise the Lord. We're going to serve God. We're going to stand on His Word. And some of you are saying, you're lying. I double-dog dare you to start seeking God. Where you say, okay, I'm going to seek you, Father God. I'm going to praise you. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com.